St. Benedict's Hospital sat high on the east bench overlooking Ogden, Utah. It was an old three-story structure made of red brick, and from its rooftop shone a fluorescent white cross. At night, the panorama spreading before it was a city of one hundred thousand, the lights streaking and twinkling in the distance all the way to the shores of the Great Salt Lake. That Monday evening, April 22, 1974, was warm, and darkness had settled over the city. The St. Benedict's emergency room was quiet. At 10.40, emergency physician Dr. Jess Wallace was in the hallway talking to Dr. James Allred when a loud buzzer sounded. Wallace ran into the ER office and flicked on the emergency receiver, a hotline between the hospital and emergency ambulance units. The driver calling in was talking so fast, Wallace could hardly understand him. Seconds later, the driver had signed off and Wallace knew only that an ambulance was coming in with two people shot in the head. They would be at the hospital in three minutes. Wallace said to Allred, Stick around, I may need you. Then he flipped a switch, lighting a large red flasher on the switchboard upstairs. Immediately, ER alert reverberated over the hospital intercom. Far below, in the middle of town, the flashing red lights of the ambulance began whirling silently in the night. The glass doors to the emergency room were propped open, and the two doctors were joined in the hallway by nurses from intensive care and coronary care, a medical technician, a respiratory technician, an x-ray technician, and the nursing supervisor. They waited by the open doors for an ambulance they were certain carried two bodies from Ogden's notorious 25th Street. Winos from the street were rushed to the hospital regularly to have their heads sewn up or a knife wound closed or to be pronounced DOA from one cause or another. Someone standing by the door said that this time one of them had probably shot his old lady then turned the gun on himself. Each of the crew feared only that he or she would be assigned to peel off the shoes or the socks or the underwear of one of the victims. As the crew waited by the ER doors, The ambulance zigzagged through the grid of city blocks, moving steadily toward the hospital. Traffic was light, and the few cars on the streets cleared away at the sound of the approaching sirens. The motorcycle escort passed first, then a hundred yards behind it came the ambulance at a steady fifty miles an hour. Eight blocks from town, they swung right onto Harrison, sped up for a few blocks, then braked and swung left at the high school. Behind the motorcycle, the ambulance driver shot straight up the hill, turned right, shut down the siren, and raced the last two blocks to the neon orange emergency. The ambulance circled beneath the red brick portico, its flashing red light ricocheting off the walls, splashing over the waiting crew like an eerie red strobe. They saw the driver spring from the front seat, but he moved without that controlled sort of quickness the ambulance attendants usually exhibited. He was shouting, but no one could understand him. He sprinted to the rear of the ambulance and flung open the doors. Two attendants kneeling in back were frantically trying to squeeze oxygen into the victims. They looked frightened. The crew realized then that what they had only sensed watching the driver, something had gone awry. Then suddenly, all three of the attendants were yelling to them at once disjointed bits and pieces of torture and mass murder, of a girl raped, of a man strangled, of a ballpoint pen driven into a victim's ear. 
of five people bound on their hands and knees and shot through the head, blood and vomit everywhere, the most sickening thing any of them had ever seen. They shouted that there were still more bodies in the basement of the Ogden Hi-Fi shop. The attendants shoved the stretchers out of the ambulance, and the emergency crew moved in quickly to help. Hands reached out and lowered the bodies into the wash of red light.